I have just finished reading the new book by the historian Tom Holland called Dominion, The Making of the Western Mind. His central thesis is that Christianity has so utterly transformed the countries that have encountered it that even those countries, notably in the West, that would consider themselves post-Christian and secular, are actually completely impossible to understand without Christianity. He argues that there is one overwhelming idea that Christianity brought into the world that changes everything. So he looks at the pre-Christian cultures, e.g. Rome and Greece, and notices that, pretty much without fail, the weak were seen as having little or no value. Might was right. So, for example, the pater familias, the father of the household, had absolute authority over all who lived in his household, both his family and also his slaves. This simply wasn't questioned. The weak held no rights. Unwanted babies could be exposed to die. Women could be sold off into marriage and slaves could be used in whatever way the master saw fit. Yet, in Christianity, in the death of Christ on the cross, the disconcerting idea entered the world that a victim could actually be closer to God than those with power. Indeed, that even the victim could be God that it was not the rich who inherited the world, but the poor, that the first would be last and the last first, that we would be eventually judged not on how powerful or rich we became, but how we treated the least of our brothers and sisters. For how we treated them is how we are actually treating God. This identity of God with the oppressed and downtrodden, rather than the powerful and the rulers, was something utterly unthought of, in the ancient pagan world. Obviously, this didn't mean, as history shows us, that so-called Christian nations never committed wicked acts. But it did mean that even whilst doing so, the very God they claimed to serve could be used to challenge and undermine what they were doing. To give just a couple of examples, think of Mahatma Gandhi quoting the teaching of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, to the British in India, or the Reverend Martin Luther King using the Bible to argue for the equality of all people before God as he challenged white Christian America, or Nelson Mandela, who was a devout Methodist, deciding to offer the Calvinist Afrikaans forgiveness and reconciliation. These were all effective because those in power, those doing the oppressing, couldn't but, in the end, recognise the voice of their tradition in the mouths of those who challenge them. Even the Me Too movement is deeply rooted in Christianity, even if most of those leading it would not see it that way. (coughs) The Me Too movement, of course, being the movement that started in Hollywood, where various uh, actresses called out the powerful men in Hollywood who had exploited them. Now, women calling out powerful men for exploiting them sexually only works if there is a belief that women have equal value to men and that it's wrong to exploit the vulnerable. Well, you might say, 
Of course women have the right not to be exploited by powerful men. But there is no of course about it. In most pre-Christian societies, it was not believed that women had equal value to men. And the fact that we think this is an obvious truth is simply one more example of how thoroughly we have been affected by the Christian idea that all people are created in the image of God and therefore have an inestimable value. We have been so influenced by the Christian mind that we don't even recognise it as Christian. Indeed, the very concept of personhood itself is a Christian concept. The book is a fascinating read, and whilst one may not agree with every jot and tittle, its basic premise that the oppressed, the weak and defenceless have a claim on us because God himself is particularly close to them, because God himself became one of them, at least in the Christian understanding, is surely correct. There is strength in weakness, in turning the other cheek, in giving oneself as a sacrifice for the other. Without these ideas, Christianity makes no sense. And the fact that we take these ideas for granted and fail to see just how extraordinary they are only goes to prove the deep impact the cross of Christ has had on our cultures. If we look at today's readings in the light of this, we see just how fundamental this all is to our faith. In the reading from the prophet Amos, we hear the following, Woe to those lying on ivory beds and sprawling on their divans. They dine on lambs from the flock. They bawl to the sound of the harp, drink wine by the bowlful. But about the ruin of Joseph, they do not care at all. Or in the psalm, The Lord is just to those who are oppressed, gives bread to the hungry, sets prisoners free. The Lord upholds the widow and the orphan, but thwarts the path of the wicked. And, of course, the gospel story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man spent his life living in comfort, feasting and celebrating, whilst ignoring the starving, suffering man at his gate. It is the poor, starving, suffering man who is carried to heaven, whilst the rich man goes to hell. As Christians, the message is clear. We must not harden our hearts to the suffering and the poor, for by doing so, we harden our hearts to Christ himself.